Welcome to Spiritual Warfare and How the Devil is Collecting Souls. He will infiltrate every area of your life if you let him. Hello, my name is Teresa. Hello, my name is Kay. We will share how we found success in our everyday spiritual battles. Today is number seven. Of the armor of God. Yes, Kay, it is, it is. Which is the sword of the spirit. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God from Ephesians 6, 17. And what it means and how Jesus applied it, the explanation of this piece of armor is right there in the verse. It is the word of God. And it is the only piece of armor that is both defensive and offensive. When we are tempted, the most effective weapon that God has given us as believers is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus modeled this so beautifully during his temptation in the wilderness when the devil tried temptation after temptation against him. Jesus used the sword of the Spirit from Luke 4, 1 through 13. When the devil tempted him three times, Jesus responded with the truth of God's word every time. And temptation by the devil is an ongoing reality. After unsuccessfully tempting Jesus in the wilderness, Satan gave up, but only temporarily. He would save his best punch for later at the cost. Satan exhausted his most compelling temptations to no avail and left defeated. The sword of the spirit is also mentioned in Ephesians 6.17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is the last piece of armor Paul describes in talking about the armor of God and is the only offensive weapon depicted. Scripture tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And listening to what you said, Kay, you're mentioning temptation. What do you do when you're tempted? I think one thing we should do is remove ourselves from temptation. If you have an issue drinking, don't be around people who drink. Don't be in that atmosphere. I agree with that, Teresa, that I do. And each of us this, each of us are tempted in different ways. And Satan knows each of us and what our weaknesses are. And so part of the armor of God is putting that on, but also being... How many times it has the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God? Having that in your heart and in your mind so that when Satan comes to tempt you, you can lean back on the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God to be able to lean back on the Word of God. But I do agree, Teresa. I don't put myself in uh, situations where I know I'm weak at um, and where I would think that it would take me back to my addiction of drinking, that God would not, he's delivered me. And, of course, Satan would love to try to draw me back into that. Um, So there's limitations 
that I think we have to be careful about. It kind of takes me back to our earlier years when it is important who you hang out with and what they do. Because if your friends are going to bars and I have the problem of smoking and or doing drugs or whatever, I don't need to be in a bar because... That's what you're going to do if you're in a bar. You're going to smoke. You're going to drink. You're going to do whatever. So you really have to remove yourself from that situation. If it is anything that tempts you, you shouldn't be around. A lot of people say, I'm strong. They're my friends. I'm not giving up my friends. You shouldn't give up your friends. But you shouldn't be going with them into bars if you have a drinking problem. Sorry, don't I don't agree with that because you can't be that strong all the time. You might be strong a couple times, but eventually, yeah, if you're in that atmosphere, you're probably going to cave, I would say. Right. I um, believe that if you're going to put yourself into such a circumstance like that, you should have a friend or a sister or brother that truly knows your weakness and that the drink or the drug or whatever so that you have got someone to stand with you to encourage you to not go in that direction because once again left to my own device yes I'm not going to say that I haven't been in some places where you know drinking and so forth has has been the major majority of the activity going on whether it's been at a you know a party or a birthday party or something like that but I think that's a little bit different a birthday party than uh, a bar I don't know though I'm sorry I'm gonna take that back because I don't know that problem I did not have so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak out of turn there right if the birthday party could be the same as the bar I think For me, loving the Lord as much as I did and when I dated this man and he was more important and I went to all of these places I shouldn't have been, to bars, to parties, whatever it was when I should have been going to church. And it's not that I should have been. I wanted to go to church. My heart eight but I put him and his life before my needs and I paid the price for that never love anyone or anything more than you do God or care for somebody more than you care for yourself look at the things that we did for the guys that we loved we just conformed ourselves to everything that they liked We wished they would go to church with us. We wished they would do some of the things we liked. But it was a rarity that they did that. But we were always there for them every day. If they would call, we'd pick up the phone and, yep, right there we were. And sometimes we'd say, if he calls, I'm not answering the phone. (laughs) But he called and we answered the phone. I will say that I did have a couple different relationships 
where I was a believer and they weren't a believer, but they did go to church with me. Oh. They did, yes, they did go to church with me because... Weekly? Weekly. Did they really? Yes, they did. Dang. Yeah, that didn't happen in my situation and I just wanted it so bad. Well, what that led me to, though, is I was praying that they were going to hear a word that was going to change their hearts and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they would be on the same page that I was and then then it would make it a perfect relationship, right? Right. Because we would be evenly yoked. Yoked. But God knew somewhere in the back of that 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 wasn't really their intentions. It was more of a pleasing K thing than really listening to what was going on. But we always, I always hoped, you always had that hope that they would hear something that would change their hearts or change their mind. And, and you know, I can't say that somewhere I believe in my heart, even with those kind of things, that seeds can be planted. Yes, absolutely. But it's not for us to water those plants. It's up to God to water those plants. Now <laughs> We wanted I, to water them, though, didn't uh, we, Kay? Yeah, <laughs> we did want to water them. And I guess my mind just went kind of around right there and backwards thinking, who knows what was planted into their minds and whether they know Christ today or not. I'm uncertain of that, but doesn't mean that God is not still watering the seed that they may still come to know him before it's too late. Yeah, that's true. Now they have the knowledge of God. And you would think that they would have to hear a couple sentences in the sermons and, you know, take it to heart. You would, well, not only that, though, Kay, They watched you and the love that you had and how giving... You are the most understanding, forgiving person I have ever met in my life. You give people a thousand chances. And you look beyond all the faults. And it just always blew my mind. It always blew my mind how... Many chances you gave people and always saw the good in them. You did. It it just, I I learned a lot, seriously, from you. I just was like, wow, I I can't do that. I was just so judgmental. So do you think it's a gift? Yes, for you, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not something that comes natural, I don't believe. I believe it's something that God has given me. When I became a Christian back in my 30s. That's not of me. I mean, truly, it's not. I don't get as excited about things as I used to. I think that that's been... I can remember before Christ, B.C., that I would do some pretty crazy things to try to stop somebody from doing something Mm -hmm. that I didn't want them to do or to go, just looking back at that, not even really realizing what God has done for me there. Oh, yeah. Would you do it today? Heck no. If somebody wanted to leave, by, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that's what I'm saying, everyone. The experience and the things we've been through. 
we're too tired at 60, right, Kate? That's right. <laughs> to go chasing and yeah. looking to see what they're doing and make sure they're not. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. We know there's a better place to be, and that's on our knees. Oh, absolutely. And that, see, that was just a horrible, unhealthy relationship. Horrible, unhealthy relationship that I just want no part of anymore. I would no more do that than than anything. Well, Kay, thank you for telling us about the sword of the spirit. And our next topic is Satan's lies, Kay. And we're going to discuss seven of them. Lie number one, prayer is a waste of time and God doesn't listen to people like you. Lie number two, you have committed sins that God won't forgive. Lie number three, you're worthless and don't really matter to anyone. Lie number four, the fear in your heart is proof that God is not good and doesn't care about what happens to you. Lie number five, if you're suffering, God must be angry with you. Only bad people suffer. Lie number six, you are lonely and utterly alone. Lie number seven, you will never measure up to God's standards. You're too broken. That's what we're going to be discussing next week. My name is Teresa. My name is Kay. God bless. See you next week.